for this great clothing company by the name of No Name Nerd. Let's start off with this segment I I like to call Q&A. It's where you ask various questions about you and your content. Alright, so I have a question here um, for uh, Midnight Minute. Uh, How exactly did you come up with your name Midnight Minute for uh, your platform. Uh, well, first off, let me let me say thank you guys uh, for having me here. I appreciate you guys welcoming me to your podcast. Um, the Midnight Minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you you might notice the alliteration in there. Um, before I was a live streamer and content creator of of the internet variety, I was a traveling musician. I was a singer songwriter for about ten years of my life. Um, and yeah, I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot. I love poetry. Uh, I love creative writing. And, um, when it came time to like decide like my steam handle, when I created my first steam account, I was like, uh, what can I do? What can I do? I was like, uh, sure. The midnight minute. And I've just had it since then. So it's been like 14 plus years that I've had that. That's interesting. Nice. Yeah, it's just like kind of drop of that. Like, hey, this is gonna be my name for streaming and whatever else I plan to do. Well, and th- there's meaning behind it. Um, and the Midnight Minute is a it's a reference to the Doomsday Clock. Uh, it's okay. not based on time, but rather around like the uh, the events that are going on, the the point in history we're at, the the stress of the times, and things of that nature. And um, yeah, it. I, I think it really fits in well with with my theme and what I'm trying to represent. Pretty awesome. Yeah, very. Now, what made you want to start creating content and like doing streaming and all this other stuff? Well, again, like I said, I, I was a traveling musician, so I was making, I've been making art, I've been performing for audiences my entire life. Um, I was involved in, in musicals and tap dancing, all sorts of things, going all the way back to when I was a young kid, like three years old. Um, and once I got done with school, um, I was offered I was offered a number of scholarships uh, for uh, academics and athletics, and I didn't know who I was at that point in time, so I decided to turn them down. Smart move um and discover myself and took some time off away from school and got involved with some local bands and became a content creator in the the music scene local music scene and then eventually started traveling around with other bands and um what actually got me into streaming specifically is a little different um many years later 
after I started aging and, you know, I uh, wasn't bouncing back so quickly from being on stage and shouting at an audience. Um, I I met my wife. Uh, we, we weren't married at that point in time, but I decided to kind of settle down and got involved with a company where I was a... Uh, I was eventually um, in quality oversight and operations management for a biopharmaceutical laboratory. Um, and that company uh, moved my wife and I around for me to open new labs. And so uh, at that point in time, I was a, a regular viewer on Twitch. It was back in 2014 um, that we first moved. And then in 2015, I decided, you know what? I love gaming. I love entertaining. I don't get to see friends and family very much. Uh, I need a way to socialize. And this is a great way to mix everything I love doing. Um, easy, free, convenient. So I just, you know, I grabbed XSplit and fired it up. And yeah, yeah, I have dropped XSplit. I dropped XSplit within the first couple of months and moved to OBS. But uh, yeah, um, haven't looked back. I've been streaming live for more than five years now. Yeah, you've definitely been doing it for a while. I remember coming across you, I think it was, who was it? CJ or uh, Brandon showed me your channel. And then ever since I started watching, me and you became good friends. And then, you know, I, I've seen you go from, uh, you used to play games constantly. You know, like, uh, what, what was mm -hmm. that one uh, outer space game that you used to play? Um, I know you already Which one? <laughs> uh, the, There's the, so many. The one where it's like a real simula simulation where it takes you that real amount of time to actually get from point A to point B. Yeah, that'd be Elite Dangerous. That game is phenomenal. Yeah. That, that's phenomenal. Cool. And over... over uh, it's not... Uh, overrated would be the wrong word underrated in my opinion um just a, a little bit about that game that game has I, I believe it's over four billion star systems like solar systems you can travel to the community in five years of time of that game being active has only collectively explored i, I think it's still less than one percent of the game mapped less than one percent of the game and they're still it, they're still building up on the game. They're, later this year, they're actually adding uh, the feature where you can get out of your ship on foot and walk around on planets. Oh, really? On foot. Yeah, and uh, I believe they'll be doing, you know, on foot first person uh, combat and things like that. Yeah, that's very interesting, especially with it only being 1% that people have actually discovered, you know. That really goes to show you how big and expansive you know games like that can be well and it's meant to be a sim uh so it's based upon reality right. uh, there i think uh i think our galaxy has more than 400 billion stars so it definitely gives you a lot of content to pretty much do whatever you want to do yeah well unfortunately it's not anything you want to do but there's a lot a lot to it right now i mean there's there's mining there's exploration you can go out and you can map different star systems and and scan planets and whatnot and sell the data at different stations for a profit you can go 
uh, do bounty hunting. You can get involved in, in wars between the different major factions. You can influence different systems and change the, the political scheme of those systems. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, it's it's interesting because it's like um, Star Citizen is like the starting at the opposite end, but it's like the same style of game. Mm-hmm. Star Citizen only has a few solar systems, a few stars you can travel to, and a few planets. Uh, but it's focused more on like, oh, here's your here's your your first person experience. Here's the cities and whatnot, and you can go through them and explore them, uh, explore the entire planet on foot, hop mm-hmm. in a ship and fly to another system and yeah it's like they're coming from the same approach at two different ends of of simulating an entire galaxy and being able to travel through the the galaxy and experience life as a person in the future now that brings me to our next question which if you don't mind i'll read that one if you want to read the next two yeah Uh, sure that's fine now, the question is, what kind of content do you make slash stream? Now, personally, I know you used to do a lot of video game content, and then you moved on to some video game content with a mixture of the technology in the future. Yeah, so... Uh... Uh, a little more than a year ago now. It's a, and it's a long, long story. Um, long story. Uh, but I'll make it as short and sweet as possible. Uh, my old company ended up working me on average more than 70 hours a week. And towards the end of my time with that company, I was the only manager at a facility directly managing more than 65 employees for months on end and that's that's burnout city um i you know no no ability to take time off to go see friends or family uh no time to you know even be a human being uh getting woke up in the middle of the night you know interrupting the precious little sleep i was getting to to deal with things at the lab like it gets to be a bit too much sometimes, and it's unfortunate. Um, I know they didn't intend that to be the situation. It's just how things happened. The other managers moved on uh, and, and found other opportunities that they dove into quickly, and there I was by myself. And uh, so it, it kind of overwhelmed me. Uh, I went to see a doctor. Doctor's like, you are overstressed. You need to take time off and uh, basically made me take a medical leave of absence. While taking that leave of absence, uh, my wife and I really reassessed everything. We were states away from our hometown area, and we we thought, you know, we're not happy with this. So let's, 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 let's reset. Let's go back home, move back in uh, to our old neighborhood, somewhere where we can we can afford it easily where we're not stressed out all the time where we can live life a little bit and kind of refigure what out what we want to do and in that time i got back into streaming heavily i dove in head first you know like many people would um and really assessed like what i wanted to do with myself and while exploring 
what I want to do, what I want to make my career into, what path I want to go down, what field I want to go down. I started really uh, tapping into understanding the automation revolution that we're experiencing right now. And we have been experiencing it slowly, um, but it's estimated by some uh, lower estimations um, are, you know, it could take decades uh, to fully automate everything. Um, and maybe by the end of this decade, maybe 25 to 30% of the workforce could be automated. Upper estimations say we could see even around 50% of the workforce being fully automated by the end of the decade. And then by the end of the next decade, even more uh, of the, you know, workforce. Um, and it's just a continual impact to the point where within a handful of decades, aside from a few specialist roles, it's very possible that all existing jobs right now could be fully automated away. And I started looking into this and the other emerging technologies and, and what's going on in the background. What we see as consumers, the tools and, and technologies we have in our hands, while we've seen amazing leaps over the past couple of decades, uh, what is in our hands is nothing compared to what is being developed by by companies around the world and i started looking at roadmaps of these companies for releasing their technologies and yeah i kind of i i dove in and started researching it and it became the focus of my channel in a lot of ways and just researching and understanding these things and there are some amazing cool things to it and there are some concerning things to it like the lack of regulations regarding the, the development of ai Lack of regulations regarding um, microdosing of dopamine through social media. And when you think about social media, what comes to mind? You got your, your Twitter, your, your Facebook, your Instagram, YouTube. Uh, all these companies with their, their websites right now, they use, they use tactics to trigger engagement. Whether it be... The outlook and design of the website with with a, a flashy button for you know notifications or whether it's the actual content they're linking you to showing you based on their algorithm it's designed to to cause you to engage with the platform so they can you know get more of your data and make ad revenue right well these companies uh, facebook specifically are diving into other mediums other markets um facebook owns oculus and oculus the, the vr headset company um is producing headsets and they're they're working on brain computer interface technology now the technologies they purchased like control labs last year uh, was purchased by facebook i don't know the exact amount but i've heard that it's around the tune of a billion dollars they dropped on Control Labs. Control Labs, and you can look it up right now. It's on YouTube. Uh, CTRL-LABS. They produced a uh, wrist strap that took your, your muscle signals through EMG and turned it into a digital signal, allowing you to interact with digital environments and interact with your computer and your cell phone and whatnot by thought. And they're incorporating that into their upcoming technology with, with their VR headsets and whatnot. 
Where this gets a little scary is when you think about uh, sending signals back to the human brain. If we don't regulate microdosing right now and and uh, these predatory practices by social media companies, what's to stop them from creating the tools and using tools that cause dopamine triggers in our own brains without our choice when we're giving them access to to send signals into our brain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's that's one of, of many things that it's concerning. Um, and it pushes me to believe that we need to get people engaged and aware and on board with being proactive. Proactive about, you know, having regulations put in place, having protective measures, as opposed to being a reactive species waiting for it to happen and then cleaning up the mess mm. and maybe throwing a fine or dealing with it. When you, when you think about like that case triggering someone's uh, serotonin or dopamine, you can completely, you can condition someone if you had control of, of that, you could tell them uh, every time someone say looks at a brand, a product label, that is partnered up with the company that that controls your BCI. They could trigger a small release of dopamine. And without knowing it, you would develop a positive association with that brand. You might not like that brand, but you would like that brand without having a choice. Right. You know, and you take it uh, a step further, you know, we're going to be seeing AR technologies uh, in our hands in the next few years as, as something being paired up with cell phones and uh, uh, your 5G packages left and right. Um, you're going to be in the store walking through an aisle and seeing brand after brand after brand after brand after brand. And you're going to be being guided to specific brands, having certain things highlighted because certain companies have the money to push that. Hmm. So, uh, I just had a quick uh, question for you pertaining uh, what you're going over right now. So you're saying, um, like Facebook, right? They're doing uh, a lot of uh, targeted advertisements, right? Uh, you're saying basically like they're conditioning you to uh, look for certain brands and whatnot while you're shopping but like subliminally where you don't really know that you're drawn to those brands it's just because uh you keep seeing them all the time on facebook and uh no uh, I'm, I'm saying with with brain computer interfaces doing direct signals to the brain through these um, devices that we're going to be using they will be able to target you uh, or lead you in the direction of liking certain brands over others without your consent I see what you're saying. I'm and there's no regulation in place to prevent that. Yeah, that is, uh, that's actually pretty scary. I'm not going to lie. The, the leap from uh, our current input systems to bring computer interfaces is happening over this next decade. There's many companies putting a lot of money into it, billions of dollars into it right now. Um, and, you know, uh, it's the next medium. There's, it's important as a tool 
it's important because right now what what can we do you know we can we can type uh on a keyboard and, and uh use a mouse to interact with with our desktop uh we can if you're using a cell phone use your fingers just your fingertips to type out and enter messages and search for things and that takes time that takes time to do that process with a brain computer interface the idea is that you would just think it and you would think you know search this and your search would happen you would think interact with my cell phone search this and it would happen or interact with my cell phone pull up pull up twitter and on twitter uh scroll through your feed you're scrolling by thought interact with that one comment there comment this and it would happen by by thought the reducing the latency between your thought and intention and the outcome happening on your device and being sent forth this is uh, absolutely happening. Uh, Neuralink is one example of it, a, a popularized one, because Neuralink is what's known as an invasive BCI. Neuralink uh, is one of Elon Musk's companies, and they are—they have designed a uh, second generation now of chips that where they essentially they cut a hole in your skull. They insert electrodes into your brain um, and matching those electrodes up with specific neurons. And they're using a uh, an automated surgical machine to do this. That is using algorithms to track your uh, your cranial inter- intracranial movements. Essentially, every every pulse of of your heart beating, uh, your, your neurons placement shift. And they don't want to strike neurons. They don't want to do damage. They don't want to hit the the arteries and, and veins and capillaries in your head with these these threads. Um, so they're, they're tracking the movement and they know exactly when to stick in that electrode. So while the delivery and, uh, installation of this device seems relatively safe, what's going to be happening is, uh, later generations of this, yeah, they're going to have people sending and receiving signals by thought. And what they want to do as an extra layer of it, and Elon Musk has gone on about this repeatedly, is to give us kind of a digital overmind and artificial intelligence uh, overmind as a uh, search interface and a guide to tap into to do the processing, kind of a cloud compute for our own brains where we're just the the receiving end and the sending end. We're the, we're the will behind it, the driving force, but... The processing is not handled by us, which would essentially make people feel potentially infinitely more intelligent, more aware, and in tune with each other. We're talking the potential to have telepathic communications. We're talking the potential to uh, telepresence yourself to, you know, say you say you need to. Uh, you need to to guide uh, a semi truck from point A to point B, and you know there's no driver in that truck. Well, you could telepresence your mind to guide that truck for for eight hours, and then your shift is done, but you've never left your home. You know the numerous numerous different possibilities for that kind of technology, and it's amazing technology. 
Um, but it's invasive. It's invasive. Um, and the invasive ones have the, the ability to directly send signals via a digital analog converter that works both ways. So our brain sends analog signals and the converter chip picks it up and converts it to a digital signal. A digital signal can be sent back into the chip and the way digital analog converters work is they go back and forth. And it can convert it into an analog signal that would then create pulses of information that our brains could interpret. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one one kind of BCI being developed right now. Right. There's some serious implications with this because when you think about like the workforce or you think about any competitive market, right? Mm-hmm. Say you're... Uh, I don't know. What's a what's a great example? Uh, say you're uh, an investment banker, or you're a stock trader, or you know, um, you make money in the markets, right? And you don't have a BCI, and you're using your computer. You're trying to search data, trying to find information on these companies and and where their stocks priced at and how things are going, and say your competitor has one and is able to receive information instantaneously and at a much larger scale than you are and is able to send data and signals out to make decisions at a much faster pace with much less latency than you are do you think you're going to be successful in that that competition probably not no all right so it kind of it kind of creates a situation where it's a a need more than a want and they're they're doing the uh the human uh testing phases um right now at the a trials for Neuralink. of course right now it's being used to uh uh help people who are um either paraplegic quadriplegic or suffer some other sort of brain injury or limitation uh the early phases are are totally medical but later phases are intended to be commercial and be used for everyday life now non-invasive bcis are a totally different deal they use uh eegs uh, and emgs uh different signal types from the brain uh scanning those signal types uh to interpret our thoughts but don't yet have proven functionality on sending data back in yet there are a few companies who are saying that they think they know how to do this and they're working on it and that would be like your your control labs wrist wristband or um neurables uh wearable headset so it's happening these there are companies out there doing this stuff and they're doing it for for gaming they're doing it for medicine they're doing it for business purposes it's going to be a big part of our lives going forward. Um, going off of what you were saying, I, I, I read a story um, that they were trying to do something similar to what you were saying about um, uh, how you would, uh, you were saying have someone uh like project themselves into a truck to drive it from point a to point b i've heard of a story of um them trying to 
make the same kind of technology but for like surgeons so they could be um you know hundreds of miles away performing mm -hmm. uh high like brain surgery on a patient uh and they never have to leave wherever they're at to uh perform the surgery it's just yeah. done with uh yeah. robotics i think it was you you want the world's best surgeon uh you know in a rush you need them in a hurry all right here you go like honestly like yeah and the potential for that is amazing yeah it definitely really is would so. you say that there could be any problems with like latency with that kind of procedure or um I've, there I've never could. Read into it too much. There could. I mean, your ping is a is a, a reality. Um, but when you think about like ping and the latency, um, think about, uh, think about not only uh, the complexity of like an operation like that, but also think about like what we're doing today with just gaming, right? Solving right. latency issues is is a you know we're able to to game around the world and send complex signals multiple signals to uh a fast-paced action shooter game where we're competing with someone across the globe right now and for the most part there's only a few milliseconds delay true when you're doing a very precise slow movement on uh on a like a telepresence robot um for like a, a surgery right um i imagine you would put in the entire movement and then once you're done putting in the movement it would receive the movement do a, a check and then repeat the movement in real life or wherever the the robot is actually performing the surgery uh, dr driving a vehicle however yeah, driving a vehicle is where I, I don't think telepresence is gonna take the lead. Because in well, driving a vehicle, on the other hand, you don't have you don't have seconds to to do a complete of the input and a double check. It has to be real time, right? Right, and there's it, a bunch of uh, other variables that you can't really account for, like if someone in front of your your uh automatically driven vehicle wrecks or something how are you gonna correct that exactly exactly with with uh with any sort of latency on like feel of a vehicle whatnot i i don't see that working out very well i mean short distances sure sure we could have like you could have the telepresence sending a signal maybe maybe within a, a couple hundred miles and the latency would be so low that there's no worries but anything greater than that right now with our current technology uh, it wouldn't be great this is where uh full self-driving is is coming in um we are very much in a few different with a few different companies on the on the cusp of having uh full self-driving stage five full self-driving which is full self-driving that does not need a human driver at all to be there as a backup uh, can handle any any surface doesn't have to be roadways can handle any surface and navigate it effectively and make decisions on its own in real time uh, can read you know the uh, read and know the laws uh, for the driving conditions can obey traffic signals identifies any hazards in the way 
Um, the the company that I think is doing best with that is Tesla, and that all boils down to machine learning. It's a narrow AI. Um, machine learning is best served by uh, having the most data. And of all the car companies out there working on full self-driving, Tesla has the most, from what I understand, the most vehicles on the road. And whenever any human is driving a Tesla, all that data is being recorded and uploaded to help train the AI so that in, in the near future, humans won't have to drive them at all. Right. So that's... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Uh, so, let's say they brought out um, like a new self-driving car and marketed it for like Uber or something like that. Would you feel comfortable personally getting into one of those cars that has no one, no human at the front wheel to uh, drive you from point A to point B? Or yes, hmm. they've been on the roads for a right. while now. Um, there's only been a couple fatalities due to uh, self-driving um, issues so far, and it's um, I believe uh, last I looked, last I looked was a couple months ago. Um, it was like 1.3 deaths over the span of five years. And how do you get point a point three deaths? Because um, human error was at play the majority of the time. Um, there was an accident, uh, a man, uh, driving a, a Tesla. I don't know all the t- details of it, but essentially he took the, the vehicle off the highway and was asleep at the wheel, um, and driving it in, in, uh, their, like essentially their cruise mode. They don't have the full self-driving available right now for cities city roads in tesla and he was driving it uh let me see if i can pull it up real quick essentially he had it in autopilot when he shouldn't have he had it in autopilot in conditions it's not supposed to be an autopilot on and it repeatedly tried to uh alert him and get him to take control of the vehicle uh because it it recognized that he wasn't holding on to the wheel and yeah that was uh that was a minute ago um another one wasn't tesla it was i believe uber's uh full self-driving and um there's a video of it let me do you mind if i add a, a link so you guys can watch this just so you can see sure yeah that's fine give me two seconds here I'm adding it into the uh, the general channel, okay. and if you get to about 44 seconds into the video, you'll see what the car saw. Okay. 
So what you're seeing here is, yeah, again, it's the dash cam. Uh, and, and the cameras are what uh, what the self-driving cars use. The cameras and LiDAR combination, different different self-driving cars over, over the past few years that have been testing it have used this. There was a passenger, um, a rider uh, in the vehicle looking at their phone, not paying attention, and a person at night walks across the road in the dark wearing dark clothes and carrying a bike and just walks right out in front of the vehicle as the vehicle's coming around what looks to be a curve you guys seeing that yeah yeah now looking at like when that person becomes visible would you as a person paying attention to the road even be able to stop in time uh, I'd have to say probably not, honestly, because that's a pretty short window. I mean, I could slam on the brakes and hope that I stop, but with the momentum, yeah, I would probably skid forward and at least uh, make yeah contact. Yeah, yeah. This person, this person was, and I'm not trying to to blame the victim so much here, but again, wearing dark clothes, walking across the street at night, and not even walking across the street in a lighted area but they're walking across the street in between the street lights and they can only be seen when the headlights from the vehicle are shining on them it's it's unfortunate and this actually set uber back on their development of of self-driving cars quite a great deal so would i trust uh myself as a rider uh, yes, that you're actually safer already in self-driving vehicles than riding uh, in a vehicle driven by a person. The safety rating is higher. Hmm. It's already safer. question and then it is time for a ad break so do you want to go ahead and ask the next question it could be any one of the three it don't really matter um, okay um yeah so here's a question uh how do you feel about the advancements in technologies uh advancements in technology and uh in video games uh i'm excited for it um some of the cool things when you talk about bcis um is actually being able to register real time how someone is feeling about their video game experience there was a conference here uh neurotech x put on a uh neurotech and gaming conference uh and it was kind of a, a live webinar they did in july and uh, Mike Ambender from from Valve was there, as well as a, a few other presenters from from certain BCI companies and uh, Flying Mollusk, which is a, a company that uh, produces games that use your input. Like I believe they made a game that used your heart rate um, to change the game experience. Um, but Mike Ambender went on about numerous things that they can track with the data that's available from EEGs and EMGs right now that could change game experience. 
think about games that change themselves whether if you're experiencing a pleasant experience or not like it'll adjust itself think about games where if you decide at the start of the game you want to push your skills and grow your skill you can set the settings to allow you to do that and the game will continually throw more and more things at you until you reach a point where you're so frustrated you're not learning you're not retaining and gaining skill and then it'll it'll tailor itself back stabilize and then later advance forward again and try and build skill and it knows how to put you in that sweet spot of, of focus and retention of skill and help you um think about other aspects of, of games where you could uh say you you personally like uh more of a fast paced action oriented game right and you're 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 into it you're 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 playing a shooter game and then they throw in a an element of of dialogue interaction with an npc and you actually like it the game then knows okay so you'd like this interaction let's let's try more interaction like this and then it adds another element like uh uh a, a simple uh quest system and you happen to not like that okay let's go ahead and tailor that out of the experience and focus on these elements we know that the player likes you can have games custom writing themselves real time around the gamer to create an experience that you enjoy balancing you know focus and frustration and learning and you can actually have games used as a, a mental health tool to help people deal with and manage stress or anger or uh anxiety issues mm. like there there's some there's some cool things come up on the horizon here uh with vr in particular we have a couple of unique technologies coming out foveated rendering which uh foveated rendering it's broken down into to two different categories um so what foveated rendering is is essentially rendering what you're focusing on and high high quality and then the things around that being rendered in reduced quality easing up on your gpu um to essentially give you the best experience all the time if you look right now, look ahead of your, yourself and focus on something in front of you, you might notice in your peripheral vision, everything gets blurry around that. Because the way our eyes actually work is we're only really processing what we're focused on in high quality. Everything around that is naturally a reduced quality. Right. So in instead of processing your entire field of view on the lens in high quality all the time, you would only process what the the headset wearer is focused on in high quality, saving a lot of GPU power. Right. And oh, really good idea. Yeah, and that thing you're focused on can be much higher quality because you're not ramping up the quality of everything around it. There are a lot of expectations that within the next few years. VR gaming is actually going to look better for the the headset wearer than desktop gaming because of this. Uh, I've heard estimations that it, it could use as little as a twentieth of 
traditional like GPU power for the same kind of experience. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, and it, it uses Toby eye tracking technology built into the headsets. Um, so the two types of vo- foveated rendering uh, are active and passive, or dynamic and passive. Mm-hmm. Passive, I'm not so excited for. It just creates a field in the center of your your lens that is the high quality rendering, and then everything surrounding that gets reduced, like layers of reduced quality, and. It takes away the ability to just look around with your eyes. It kind of leans on you turning your head to look directly at whatever it is you're trying to focus on. Um, and experiences with that have been mixed. While in some some experiences it could be really useful, uh, I think in like in a fast-paced experience where you're not looking around at your environment so much, but you're looking forward, you're looking ahead and focusing on what is immediately in front of you and trying to react quickly. You use your eyes. Use your eyes to look around the environment, and you you continue moving forward. Um, dynamic foveated rendering is where the actual field that is being rendered in high quality moves with eye tracking. It tracks where your pupils are looking, and moves the focus of the rendering to that spot. Uh, and the challenge right now is in making that as real time as possible. You don't want any sort of delay. You don't want to look at something and then, uh, you know, a third of a second later, it fully registers as, you know, the quality your eyes are looking for. Right. But yeah, there's there's a lot of cool things with gaming on the future uh, that I'm excited for. Um, A lot in the VR space, a lot in the VR space. Uh, But other things like when you think about like uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, right whole world generation like an entire planet being high definition rendered and in generated and being able to have you know mmos and uh you know uh rpg games that are whole world scale and it's coming it's coming and yeah I'm looking forward to some of the new things that are going on with um, like voxels uh, and making making small objects out of larger objects and being able to break things down. I'm looking forward to the point here where we're able to, you know, in a game, reach down and scoop up a handful of sand and see each individual grain drop and have it actually be individual grains as opposed to just a uh an illusion right yeah that'd definitely be something so i i i just had a quick question um what you were saying with the vr um you were saying it tracks your eyes right uh would it be kind of similar to uh like auto focus on a camera where like you're looking at something and it focuses on the one area but it blurs out like the surrounding area or uh yeah kind of kind of like that only it's it's yeah it uses uh the technology from from toby uh toby eye tracking technology to see where your eyes are looking and then focuses what it is on the screen that you're looking at yeah Hmm. yep it's definitely interesting 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to take a nice little ad break, and we will see you in a couple seconds. This is the part of the show where we just do a little bit of chit chat. Uh, one subject I would like to talk about tonight is uh, the new NVIDIA GeForce RTX 30 series graphics cards uh, that they have coming out here soon. Um, I'll read a little bit off their site and then look at some of the specs and then we'll just do some general chatter about it you guys can chime in at any time as i'm reading this so feel free to just go for it uh, okay so nvidia's uh second gen rtx architecture uh faster second gen ray tracing uh third faster third gen tensor cores it streams with multiprocessors that, you know, give you faster frame rates. Uh, they also have AI accelerations, which I'm not too sure what that is. Um, but they, oh, they hold up to 24 gigs of new Blazing Fast GDDR6X VRAM. They also use HDMI 2.1. Uh, You're looking at the uh, the 3090 there. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I know it. Big oof. Especially when I saw the price point for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting to me um, that they basically they got rid of the the TI label and they. They've, they've talked about like how this is like a combination between the TIs and the uh, the Titans. Mm. It's kind of a, a midway between between them. And I think that has to do with the uh, limitation on the uh, uh, the materials right now. Mm. They had to source their materials from Samsung um, and the and uh, some from uh, TSMC and I believe uh, AMD actually got the better deal with TSMC. You think so? We'll see. We'll see. But from what I've read, I believe they did. Now, how do you how do you say this? I've always wondered this because I've always felt like I was stupid for saying it the way I do. But I say CUDA cores. You might want to. Uh, Fix your mic. It's it's going crazy again. Sorry, I was sitting real close to it. And you you might want to repeat that portion. Uh, I yeah, cute. Yeah, is it cuda cores or cuda? That, that's how I pronounce it. Cuda. Cuda. Okay. Well, the RTX 3090 it has 10,400. The 3080 has 8,700, and the 3070 has 5,800. You might want to just like repeat that whole questioning line of questioning because your mic was going crazy. You're gonna to want to cut it, that out. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So I'll just start off where I, I was saying about cuda cores. All right. 
Ah, uh, okay, so do you pronounce it Cuda Cores or Cuda Cores? Uh, I, I've always pronounced it Cuda Cores, but I really don't know. I don't know specifically. Right. I mean, that's just what I've always called it. Uh, the GeForce RTX 3090 has 10,400 of these cores. Uh, the GeForce RTX 3080 has 8,700 of these cores. And then the GeForce RTX 3070 has 5,800 of these cores. Uh, the RX, or RTX 3090 also has uh, 24 gigabytes of VRAM. Uh, and that is the one that is coming out uh, September 24th for the price point of $1,500. Uh, the next step below is the 3080, that is a 10GB uh, for $700 on September 17th. And then the 3070, which is the cheapest of them all, at 500 with the 8 gigs of VRAM, it will be available in October. You might want to take notice there, on the 3070, there's a... a there's a difference. Um, the 3070 does not use GDDR6X. It uses the old style GDDR6. So the, the 6X actually has uh, what they're advertising as around double the uh, the transfer rate. Also, the GDDR6 as opposed to 6X, from what I've gathered, and I could be wrong here, but from what I've gathered, it does not handle the DLSS 2.0. Oh, okay. Um, so, while it's better, while they're saying it's better than a, a 2080 Ti in performance, mm -hmm. it um, it loses those functions and is nowhere near the 3080 or 3090. Additionally, the number of CUDA cores being really high in the 3090 and 3080 uh, isn't a good metric, in my opinion, because the CUDA cores are less functional in the 3000 series, or rather they're being utilized less in the 3000 series than they were in the 2000 series. So it, even though you might have double the CUDA cores, it doesn't mean double the output from those CUDA cores. They're leaning more on AI than before. AI is taking over in the, the the GPU industry, and that's with the DLSS 2.0, which is a uh, essentially um, a way of predicting where light pathing is going to be for ray tracing. That's how they're able to get these crazy, crazy, uh, you know, outputs. It's uh it's through a predictive AI as opposed to processing um, everything in traditional rasterization. Hmm. Now, for these cards that are coming out, how well do you think they're actually going to be able to handle these new games coming out like Cyberpunk uh, 2077, uh, Black Ops Cold War? Um, I know Gosh. there was that... Uh, that one medieval game that you're playing, uh, I can't think of the name of it. You're just playing it here, I think, a month or two ago, maybe a little bit more. I, 
I'm not certain. <laughs> I play so many games. Um, hmm, medieval game. Jeez. I, I just I don't remember what it was called. I know you came across like. Oh, you found somebody like, dead in like a bush area. And then uh, you actually had to get onto your horse and physically go places. Like there was no fast travel, there was none of that stuff. You had to actually travel from point A to point B on a horse or walk or whatever. I I apologize. I'm I'm not certain yeah, I don't know. what game you're referencing. I'll, I'll think of it eventually. <laughs> I mean, a, a few months ago, um, I was playing Kingdom Come Deliverance, and Kingdom Come Deliverance, uh, you can fast travel, but I opted not to for my last playthrough of it. Hold on. I'll, I'll do a Google search of it. I'll be able to tell right away whether or not that said it was Kingdom Come King. So, while you're searching that, I had a thought. Uh, so, I know, I mean, I have all the current gen consoles and PC. Uh, I, I know both of us used to play on it, at least Xbox. Are you primarily like a PC gamer, or do you play on console too? Uh, I'm primarily a PC gamer, however, I do have a PlayStation 4 Pro that I got specifically for Bloodborne. Oh, yeah, I feel I'm that. a very big Souls fan. Um, Same. Yeah, Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, I actually Praise went to the, the uh, midnight release of Dark Souls 3 took me, because I didn't have my license at the time. But, uh, nice. yeah, we both went to GameStop for the midnight release. It's fun. Yeah, then I got to sit there and watch play. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, that yeah, Kingdom Come Deliverance. That's that's exactly the one I was thinking about. Just just one game. Right. Uh, let me try some of the other uh, exclusives. So I got God of War. Um, it was a you know great game, amazing. Uh, I got um, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I really enjoy. But two times through, two times through, I've gotten basically to the end of the game. I uh, had 99% of the map like completed and discovered. And I'm, I, I end up in that game both times now uh, doing like all the exploration and then like having just the main quest left to do. And then I stop. <laughs> And then I start over after months. Uh, I feel bad about that one because I've never finished the main quest line um, at two tries now. So I've, I've put in a solid 100 plus hours in this game. Um, and I just get sidetracked. I get sidetracked with games. Like there's so many games and like I've always been. Yeah. In the case of gaming, I'm always looking for that that next greatest thing that that game that is the game right you know what i'm saying yeah i think we all have that that fantasy of the game it's out there it's coming (laughs) it'll maybe it's this one this this has some elements that i really want maybe maybe now but um yeah uh bloodborne horizon i did 
after some some protesting i did pick up final fantasy 7 remake uh part one uh, I, I protested it because it's separated into the parts but after playing part one yeah i'll be buying the other parts it's so good <laughs> it's so good oh my gosh um phenomenal and yeah yeah aside from that um i'm almost exclusively a pc gamer and have been for many years so I was going to just uh, uh, question for whoever wants to answer it, honestly. Um, with these new cards releasing like in the same time frame as uh, next-gen consoles, would you recommend uh, just picking up a like a 3080 or something like that compared to buying a $500-$600 console and just building a PC from there? Or would you... Uh, yeah, recommend uh, just go with whatever you want like if you wanted to buy a console just buy a console it absolutely depends on the person and their financial limitations um, I don't I don't want to dismiss anyone that gets a console because a console is accessible and easy and they just want to play games but if you want right. to do more than just play games uh, if you're into you know creation of art if you're uh you know 3d modeling or uh game design things of that nature if you want to stream do yourself right. the favor and get get a card now right. is it gonna be an nvidia card that i recommend i don't know i'm waiting till we find out what the amd cards are like uh, true and is coming out with some new ones too um and it's i mean with everything going on with tsmc and samsung um and the limitation on parts right now uh i wouldn't doubt that there are upcoming price wars uh additionally you know and i, I don't want to i don't wanna be a, a, a boomer on the the whole the vibe but with coronavirus going on the actual number of people who have the disposable income to get those things is shrinking um, and they have a much smaller market to appeal to. And so they're going to be fighting very hard to appeal to that, those markets uh, and carve out enough and make enough money to cover their bottom line, which is why I think the consoles um, and their pricing right now may change. They may get better yet. Um, the When the AMD cards come out here, we might see a change in pricing there. And also at the same time, the new 11th gen uh, desktop CPUs from Intel are, are coming soon. The new AMD uh, CPUs are coming soon. Um, yeah. Did I say GPUs from Intel? I meant CPUs. If I, <laughs> I, I think I said GPU. Um, yes. The 11th gen Intel CPUs, the, uh, the Rocket Lake cpus for desktop are coming soon and we'll see what their pricing's like i wouldn't exp i wouldn't doubt that we see a price war uh oh, yeah, which i mean it'd be a buyer's market but how many buyers are there definitely right? not as many as there would be when everything was you know the way it was before this whole stupid virus thing was Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people might be rushing out to pick up those those 3000 series cards now based on the, the hype, but don't have a fourth gen uh, PCIe socket. 
they can't fully utilize it. Um, additionally, if you have an older CPU, you might be bottlenecked by your CPU. Right. So, I mean, getting a new, if you are in the market right now, if you have the money to build a whole brand new PC with a new CPU, a new motherboard, and a new GPU, you wait a, wait a hot second, get that 11th gen Intel or the AMD CPU, whichever one's better for you with a, a motherboard that has a fourth gen PCIe socket and the, uh, the GPU of your choice will have all the cards on the table at that point in time here in a few short months. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. It, it's definitely, uh, it's exciting for one thing, you know, seeing these new cards come out and, you know, seeing the capabilities of what what these next-gen, you know, cards and processors and everything like that will offer uh, gamers and streamers and just pretty much everybody. Yeah, it it's uh it's interesting um i you know and and me being me and the 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 information that i've come across i'm waiting for us to have that next next gen you know <laughs> that stuff that i i um have found uh is in development right now um there's cool stuff there's cool stuff on the horizon uh very cool stuff i'm excited for it I'm always excited for it. Yeah, really. I, I know I'm really excited for it. I know the bomb's really excited for it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I honest, honestly just cannot wait for it to come out. I mean, I'm not going to have the money for it right away, obviously, but... Who 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 among us will? I mean, honestly, like, I'm, I'm not rich. Far from it. Right. It does seem like a really, um, uh, like a decent, uh, chipset for the price, though. Uh, like, a 3070 8GB, uh, I think that's about the same as what's in a 2080 right now. Uh, I don't well, the 30, 3070s are actually, uh, the, according to what AMD released, the 30, the 3070 cards at, yeah, at 499 499 US dollar starting price are beating out the 2080 TIs in performance. Right. I know so many people that just dropped a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars on a 2080 TI in the past few months that are kicking themselves right now. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I'm so I sorry don't... for you. I'm sorry for your loss. That's yeah. Oof. So I didn't I didn't buy a 2080 Ti. Um, I brought I bought uh, I actually just upgraded my whole um, setup. Uh, I bought a new computer from. I mean, it's from Best Buy. So anyone who wants to, uh, you know, uh, you know, purge me for not building it, that's fine. But it's it's just a little bit easier than I got it at a good price. But uh, right after. I, uh, well, like, yeah, I just bought it, like, what, four months ago or so? And then right after I heard they're coming out with this new chipset, uh, the 30 series, and I'm like, 
Well, I mean, it's still like, it still gives what it needs done. Don't get me wrong. But if I would have known that there was like uh, this uh, chipsets at this pricing, like that's crazy, honestly. Um, I definitely would have waited. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've for a hot minute now. I've been trying to stay aware of what's coming out in, in regards to those things. Um, it. I got burned. I got burned back in 2017 when I built my current PC. Um, by myself. I bought. Uh, well, I built it from the ground up. Um, and I got two 1080 cards. And it was early, it was January 2017 that I built it. Two 1080s. They were, uh, they're 1080 uh, EVGA uh, super clocked editions. And they cost me a grand each. Uh, two months later, the 1080 TIs came out. And those cards that were a grand each were $600 each. So you lost, uh, like... Eight hundred dollars. Had had I had I waited yeah. a couple months, it would have been eight hundred dollars cheaper, or I could have got ten eighty TIs. Yeah, right. That's crazy. It is what it is, you know. And yeah. um, the if you watch the trends, I mean, there's a whole bunch of wonderful resources online. There are people who dedicate themselves to doing entire like their entire channel on YouTube is all about. You know, following these trends and uh, speculating as to when these things are coming out and making people informed of what technologies are going on, what kind of uh, what kind of actual uh, purchases are being made, the business deals that are being made, what that could mean. Um, Yeah, there's there's some really, really uh, invested people that are helpful. Uh, It just takes a little bit of time to, you know follow them and i personally am a big fan of getting multiple opinions because no one person has all the insight on future technology and yeah it's good to to look at these things as probabilities as opposed to expectations right um i hate to cut off this conversation because it's really good conversation but we've hit our time limit for the podcast uh so to end out the stream uh if you were to get one of the cards either the 3090 3080 or the 3070 which do you think you would get if i'm limited to those three and i have any choice like i have like any choice right i would take a 3090 in a heartbeat but based on my my current circumstances it'll probably be a 3080. I, I don't I don't know that, aside from when I try to do 3D modeling, uh, that I'll get much use out of a 3090. Like, I don't think I'll ever push it to its potential. Right. And that's exactly probably what I would go with, too, is a 3080. It seems to be just right in the middle. You know, it's not overly expensive, but it's not cheaping out on the GPU either. Mm-hmm. Because you're still getting that, what, that uh, DDR6... Six bucks, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I, I assume there's a solid jump in power consumption from the 38 to the 3090. Right. Oh yeah, most definitely. 
right. So, uh, <clears throat> anything you want to shout out? Any socials? Any? Yeah. Uh, thank you uh, for the opportunity. First off, uh, yeah, again, seriously, you guys have been great. Thank you so much. Um, anyone who wants to check out my stuff, come on by. I again, I, I talk about technology, the future, uh, where things are going, concerns we have, as well as opportunities. I game, I do VR gaming and other gaming. Uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077, like just about everybody. Um, but follow me at twitch.tv slash the midnight minute. And thank you guys again, seriously. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, guys, definitely go check out his Twitch. Uh, he's a really great streamer. He's been streaming between the times of, you start what, like around... 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah, until 2 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday evenings. Right, and it's honestly an amazing stream every time you go there. Uh, Usually you always learn something. That's why I go there. I go there, I look stupid, but then I learn. So it works out nice. But uh, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, This has been the League of Gamers podcast. Uh, Next week... We will have another guest on. His name is Elite Merc Anthony. He is the walking sponsorship. Uh, Until then, uh, we'll see you guys.